between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's see John chapter, John chapter six. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'll just read from from verse um, verse fifty verse fifty three. Says, then Jesus said unto him. That verily, verily, I say unto you, that except you eat of the, you eat the flesh of the Son of God, of man, and drink his blood, that you have no life in you. And whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, praise God. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Amen. Amen. Verse 57, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. And this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did it manner, and are dead. And he that eateth of this bread shall, shall live forever. Praise the Lord. Um, the verse 57 said, The living Father sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that... He that eateth me, and even he shall, shall live by me. The book of John, um, the John was, um, was writing about the, mostly about the relationship um, between, or he was highlighting Jesus' conversation about his relationship with his father, Praise God. And uh, this relationship is, um, if you really check it, this was really why Jesus was killed. Uh, when you read, uh, because John also archived, he was also archiving the conversation of the Jews and the Pharisees and even the high priests all through the book of John. He was writing, he took note to 
to write to highlight their reaction. I'm sure there were many people who reacted to what Jesus was saying, but but John picked interest in specific groups of people, how they were reacting to the things that Jesus was saying. Praise God. And also in his reaction, it was very detailed. Sometimes he would, he would say, when Jesus said this, then they picked up stones to stone him. Praise God. So, so you, you could see the, the reaction um, that Jesus had in verse 61, for example, after he said these things that he said, um, then um, in verse 61, you says, then when the Jews knew in when Jesus knew in himself that the disciples murmured at this, praise the Lord, he said unto them, Does this what offend you? Praise God. So in this case, this was the disciples who were also who were murmuring. These were not, not the Jews or the Pharisees at this time. Praise the Lord. But if you go back to previous verses of this chapter and other chapters, you see um, that there was something unique about Jesus's um, what Jesus began to un, 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 unveil. It was actually the, uh, the book of John is the, is the record of the unveiling of a conversation. It was actually a fresh conversation. It was a new conversation. It was a different conversation, a strange conversation. Um, but there is... Um, there is also, there is a sense which we have now by virtue of being born again that obscures the uniqueness of the conversation that Jesus had. Um, that obscurity came because, praise the Lord, Hallelujah. I just want to appreciate my brother, Brother Folari. <laughs> Folari for, for being here, praise God. <laughs> Amen. I'm so sorry, it seems like I always call your name every time, but it's just, I'm just so happy to see you every time. So I'm glad that you are with us. God bless you, sir. You and your wife, um, Sister Divine, praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, so Jesus was um, bringing a conversation. It was a, it was a new conversation, a strange conversation. In fact, something that got him killed. Praise God. But um, there is something that we Christians, as an Christianity kind of, in a way, obscures the, the weight of the conversation that Jesus had because uh, with Christianity brought the concept of God being our father the, or, the, or the idea of God being our father. Praise the Lord. Um, well, that, that idea came mostly, it didn't come by revelation. Mostly, the idea of the fatherhood of God that we have actually came through misappropriation of scriptures. It wasn't, it's not really by revelation. Praise God. So how the way that Christians claim fatherhood of God, um, Christians claim fatherhood of God in a, in a special way. 
as though the new birth confers that on a person. But it's not really so. Praise the Lord. What did I say? It's not what? It's not really so. It's not really so. Um, it's not so in the way that we assume it to be. So because of that assumption, um, there's a way we feel like it's a sealed deal, done deal. We are now God's children. We are all children of God. And so when we have that kind of mindset, that has a way, that when you read John, what John was saying in his writing, it doesn't have the same shocking effect that it should have. Right, the same kind of effect that it had on Jews, for example. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Um, so, so Jews, um, Jews, they, there's a way their heart was. They knew, in a, in a way, really, a Jew doesn't see God as his father. Right, he doesn't see God as his father, not in the way that Jesus began to speak about it. Praise God. Um, but Christians just claim that relationship based on the new birth. We just claim the relationship that God is our father, our father. So we can pray to him, our father, our father, our father. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so, am I saying is God, God, so God is not your father? Um, what I'm saying is that, um, what I'm saying is that there is a weighty revelation of the fatherhood of God. Right? There is a weighty revelation of the fatherhood of God that the new birth experience doesn't even begin to tamper with, doesn't even begin to touch. Praise God. So any Christian who is born again, who calls God his father, God is not his father in the way that Jesus was calling God his father. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So, um, so Jesus um, was... Um, Praise the Lord. Jesus, what Jesus began to speak about his father, he was speaking about his father with the sense of a, of a personal relationship that was actually centered on knowledge. Right, it was centered on knowledge, it was anchored on knowledge. Jesus' relationship with the father. And Jesus began to accuse them. And as they, accu they accused Jesus, Jesus accused them back. Praise the Lord. They were accused Jesus about what he said when he re referred to God as his father. And then Jesus accused them back. In one place, Jesus told them, you don't know where I came from. Right, because you, the reason why you are accusing me, but you can't trace me where I came from. But me, I can trace you, I can tell where you, are, where you came from. In fact, he said, you are your, like your father, the devil. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. 
So, so Jesus' claim, Jesus' claim to fatherhood with God, um, or to, of God being his father, was something that um, he was speaking about. Let's, let's read some verses. We'll come back to this place. Um, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. <clears throat> Let's see chapter 8. Let's see chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I read from verse, verse 37. So this time, Jesus was speaking to the Jews, right? In verse, let's see from verse 31 very quickly. There's not enough time, but he says, and, and then said Jesus to those, who, those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, right? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Of course, that, so that was an offensive statement to them. Praise the Lord. Because they, they answered him, we, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that ye shall be made free? Right? And then Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, then you shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Praise God. And I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Okay, I just want to say a few things here. Praise the Lord. Um, amen. Amen. So Jesus was speaking about freedom. Just mentioning freedom triggered them. And um, they said that we are free. We are Abraham's seed and we've never been in bondage or, or anything. Um, and Jesus answered them, Very, very, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. So Jesus was then trying to show them what kind of bondage, right? Uh, what kind of bondage he was speaking about, that there is actually a bondage that they were in which they knew not of. Praise God. So whoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son abided what? Ever. And if the son therefore shall make you free, then ye shall be what? Free indeed. So, the son, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So, it's talking about the son having the ability. The, the son, because of the, what he has, his own freedom, that makes him able to abide. Praise God. You now see that bondage here is being, Jesus is speaking about bondage here as a bondage as something that is powerful against 
freedom, right? He's speaking of bondage as something that is powerful against freedom, not just freedom, but against abiding, against abiding. So someone who is bound cannot abide in the house. Praise the Lord. He cannot, someone who is bound cannot abide in the house. Why can't he abide in the house? Because he's a servant of something. So if you try to make him stay in the house, the thing that he serves, that he's a slave to serve, can call him. It's time to come and do some things. And you find him just walking out, walking out of the house. Do you see that? He will walk out of the house, go and get some things done, and then he will try and come back again. Praise God. So that is, a, that is the nature. So when you see God speaking of freedom, of course, freedom is not being free to do whatever you want. Right? Freedom means that the, the peak, the, the sign of freedom is the sign of, an, of abiding. Right? A soul who is free is a soul who can abide with the Father. That's the, that's the test, the sign of freedom. When you can't find a soul cannot abide with the Father. It, the reason why he can't abide is because there are things he is not free from that pulls him out and that can seduce him out of the abiding place. Praise the Lord. So, so you now see that who Jesus, Jesus was describing the, the stature, the concept of a son, who a son is. That is something that makes up a son. Now, and he said that this son is actually is an embodiment of freedom. Amen. That's why he said that, that, praise the Lord, in the next verse, verse 36, that if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, then what will happen? Then you shall be free indeed. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. Why? Because the Son, in verse 36, Say the servant abided not in the house forever, but the son what abided ever. Praise God. So there's difference between a servant and who? And a son. There's difference between a servant and a son. A servant can be in the house, serving the house. But the fact that he's serving the house doesn't mean that he's joined to the house. Because why is he not joined to the house? Because when you check his nature, by nature he is a servant. And a servant, as long as you remain a servant, you can switch natures. Praise God. Now we know very clearly that this word servant here does not differ from somebody who is maybe biologically born but not yet developed. Paul gave us that insight and gave us that light. You know that a hair differed not from as long as he's still a child, him and his servant are the same. So it means that the same way a servant can tell the master, I'm no longer serving anymore. I want to go and serve someone else. That a child can also do the same thing. Like Jesus spoke about the prodigal son who of course, that prodigal son wasn't really a son, really. It was actually it was a childish display that he wants to take things and go. So what, what even some servants might not do, that's what the son, that so-called son did. Uh, praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? So, 
So it's good now to be a servant. It's good to be a servant. It's good to be a servant. It's good to be a servant. Say it's good to be a servant. It's good to be a servant. Um, but there is something that servanthood should grow into. It's called sonship. Because a son is the, is the abiding servant. When, when the father is looking at his servant, who is serving, 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 serving very well, being excellent, being wonderful, the father enjoys the service and is happy for it. But there's still a fear in his heart that he knows that this servant doesn't belong to me, that this servant can live. Praise God. But when, that's why every, every father, even no matter how many servants he has, he's not at peace until he has raised a son. A son who, can, who is also a servant, who is also excellent in service, but has something added to him, which is that he, he has the equipment to abide. So, so until a father raises a son, right, he is not satisfied. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So the same thing in the house of God, service begins at a very, very um, early phase. You begin to learn service at different places. You begin to learn service when you get into the sanctuary. Those who are in, in the sanctuary are the servants of God. David, called, the book of Psalm called them God's servants, right? Who, 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 they are servants of God who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. But um, those servants in the holy place are not yet abiding servants. Right, because the servant who abides has to be a son. Only a son of God is guaranteed. Only a son. There's no stature. There's no stature. Christ is not an abiding stature in the spirit. God knows it. Yes, God knows it. God, when God sees that stature called Christ, God is not seen an abider. No, God is not seen an abider in just the nature of Christ. For, for Christ to abide, he must become a son of God. Uh, praise the Lord. You see what I'm saying? So, so the son, the son of God is the, the son is the only entity that can be glued to the father. So actually, the purpose of sonship is for everlasting abode. That's any time you see sonship being developed, the father raising sons, is for the purpose of staying, remaining, abiding. Praise the Lord. It's not necessarily about the utility per se of what he is able to do or to offer. It's more about the quality of the, of the person. That's what... There is something, there must be something about the person that attaches you to God. Amen. Amen. It is that attachment that is the immunity against corruption. Yes. The ultimate immunity against, against what? Against corruption. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. So in verse 35, he said, The servant abided not in the house forever. But the son abided forever. Say that the son, the son abided forever. That's the that if you ask, what's the purpose of a son? It's just simple. The purpose of a son is he who is developed to abide. That's the son who is 
He who, who is developed to do what? To, to develop to abide. Develop to abide. He was developed to what? To abide. Amen. Amen. But you say, ah, what do you mean? But in the natural, when his son grows up, or when he's old, he doesn't leave his father and go away. He said, no, that doesn't make sense. There's only a bad father that wants his son to be in his house. At 40 years old, he's still sleeping in the basement. <laughs> Praise God. When the father comes, up, comes downstairs, he sees the, the, the 40 year old guy with his boxers eating cereal and everything. That's, this, that's a, a, an image of dysfunction in the natural. Praise God. But um, in the spirit, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> praise God. In the spirit, in the spirit, um, it's not. Um, is not by physical, that abiding is not a physical thing. I'm going to where God is right now physically and I will stay there. It's not that. This, the abiding is talking about abiding within this nature, within nature. Praise God. Do you get what I'm saying? Nature within what? Within nature. It's a nature coming into another nature. In an inseparable way. That's the purpose of sonship. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The way it plays out in the natural is in more in a symbolic form. In the sense that when the son is developed, the son will now carry the name of his father outside. That name is actually his father that he's carrying. So he can establish his own household, but... Is actually is establishing a household in the name of his father. Everybody must bear his name. The wife will bear the same name. The children will bear the same name. You get what I'm saying? So in a sense, he hasn't departed from his father, right? He's actually, he's actually ex- extended, right? All he has done, he hasn't departed. He just branched out, like John chapter 15. Do you see what I'm, John chapter 15, right? He said, I am the vine. My father is the husbandman. And then you are branches of underworld. Branches. And each, each branch is also another tree as well. Every branch looks like a tree. Everything that branches out of the vine is another little tree that other things can branch out from as well. So that thing is just, it's just showing you the unending, the unending cycle of Father and son. I am the I am I I am the vine. I Means the son is the vine. The father is the husbandman of the vine. What's the purpose of the husbandman? To make the vine fruitful. Right? As he's watching the vine, he's looking over it. Anything that will not bear fruit, he will cut it out. Praise the Lord. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Amen. So um so the way what in, in, in the spirit. Um, is actually what God wants to raise in his spirit is, is, one, is a giant tree that is, that is springing out of himself. He's a, he's a giant tree of fathers and sons, fathers and sons, father in whom have, have unity of nature. The same way the same life in the vine flows to every single branch of the tree. Praise the Lord. 
so um, here, so the purpose of the son is to, to do what? To abide. And verse 36, if the son therefore shall make you free, then you shall be what? Free indeed. So you're seeing that he's, he's speaking about freedom here, not as what the father will give directly, but he's speaking of freedom as what the father has almost given to the son to administer. That was why he said in verse 31 that Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on him that if you continue in my word, my word, you didn't say the father's word. If you continue in my word, then, ye, then are ye my disciples and then ye shall know what the truth and the word truth shall make you free. Praise God. Okay, let's continue um, quickly and just speak something before we go. It says that um, if the Son therefore shall make you free, that you shall be free indeed. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me. Why? Because my word had no place in you. Are you seeing Jesus' conversation? He's, Jesus is speaking highly spiritually. There's no way you can take what Jesus is saying and then just lay it out naturally and say Jesus is saying, he's speaking about um, a house somewhere. Praise God. He's, he's, it's very clear he's not talking about Joseph's house. Right? When he's speaking of his son, sonship, he's not speaking of him, him being the son of Joseph. Right? He's, what Jesus is actually talking about, he's, he's speaking, he's looking into the spiritual, the, the, whole, the, the spiritual landscape. And in that landscape, he's seeing sonship. He's seeing the house of the father. Praise the Lord. And then he's seeing, so he's speaking to those souls. Jesus was speaking to those souls who were before him. And when he looks at them, what he sees, he sees a Jew, but he doesn't just see a Jew. He sees a, a, a soul that is bound, that needs freedom. Pray, are you seeing what I'm saying? This is the, these are, now, you see this, this, this side of understanding, this side of Jesus' conversation. Um, when you look too much through lens of just new birth, you won't be paying attention to many of these things. You will just summarize all this conversation and say, Jesus was just angry at all those Jews who were asking him questions. And he's just trying to prove to them that they are sinners. That's the, that's the brain and the mentality that we used to read the book of John. Amen. So it's hard to read John and then begin to know that Jesus was actually talking to you. He was actually speaking to you. When he was talking about freedom, he's talking about how you can be free. He was talking about your own freedom. Even you, who born again you. Praise the Lord. So it says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Verse 37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word had no place. So he's saying, the, the, where you seeking to kill me is coming from is that you're actually doing it as a, as a bound fellow. There's actually, it's not just you. There's actually something on the inside of you that is actually leading you and constraining you to, to kill me. So the manifestation of your bondage is to, is to kill me. Right? Of course, when you take that word killing, right, you, can, you reduce that killing and find that really it, what 
Why do they want to kill him? Is to silence him. You get what I'm saying? So if you think you're thinking of the word kill, you can you can remove yourself. No, I don't kill. I don't have intention to kill anybody. And when you check inside your heart, you will not find the strength to actually kill Jesus. That if Jesus was here now and this was you, that you would think that well, no, there's no way I would have talked about killing him because you you know you are such a nice fellow. You know that when you really check yourself, really, really, that no, 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 it's those bad guys who would have praised God. Amen. When you look at some of your stone-faced brothers, this guy could have been. <laughs> this one could have been one of the guys who, who killed him. Praise God. But you, you know you are a nice fellow, so you don't feel. But, that's, but, but you have to check why did they want to kill him? It was why they sought to kill him was to silence him. Right? It was to silence. So there is a nature inside of them. There's something that people who have this kind of bondage, that bondage, they are slaves in this bondage, and every slave has a master. So there's something that the master of this slavery of sin, actually, there's a way it, it acts. There's something that it acts to kill. There's something, and Jesus was the ultimate embodiment and the representation of everything that sin acts to kill. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you seeing that? Everything that what sin acts, what, what does sin act to kill? Simple. Sin acts to kill everything that can trigger, that can trigger or can end up in men rising into an everlasting and ultimately eternal abode with God. That's sin's agenda. So when sin creates captivity in the hearts of men, takes souls captive, take a soul captive. Sin is taking a soul captive for the purpose of one that, one that he knows that at some point, maybe a conversation can, can come to this soul concerning the abode of the Father, that we must put things inside the soul to make this soul violent against any thought that rises, that raises such an expectation. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? You understand what I'm saying? No. Now, but a natural man doesn't trace, trace sin that way. A natural person doesn't trace sin. Like, you don't, like these Jews, they say, well, what do you mean? We are Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to every, anything. We have always been free people. But Jesus said, there's something you don't know. You're actually in bondage to sin. Praise the Lord. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. What's death? Death means separation. How does death manifest? How does separation manifest? Some of us, that separation manifests every single day. Every single day is manifesting. It manifests in reaction, attitude, dispositions. Dispositions against what? Anti-abode. Anything that is any nature. It's anti-abiding with the Father. Any that thing that makes it not concern you. You know what I mean when I say it doesn't concern you? I mean that it doesn't really affect you. It doesn't register in you as something that you were created toward, to come into, or to aspire to. Whenever you feel that thing, let me not say whenever you feel that thing. Let me say whenever you don't feel the urgency 
of that calling, that upward calling. Know that sin is a sin here. Just praise God. And it's okay, it's okay, amen. Praise God. <laughs> that's a, when you can begin to feel that way, that's a sign that you started. You know what I mean by you started? I mean that after all these plenty of years of revelation, you finally arrive at the place where you now, you can now smell sin. Ah, you are here. I know you've, you've always, I now know your perfume. I now know how you smell. When a soul can get to that place with sin, you've, so much victory has been wrought. Because if you know all the things, all the power at work to keep sin hidden, Even sin then redefine itself. He said, this is who I am. Whenever you hear sin, think of this. Don't think of this one. But then, then so Jesus then came on the scene, and then Jesus began to stare at sin in men and began to talk about it. All these men, they've never met anybody like this before. You know, Jesus was, Jesus always was conscious about men. You know, men are very cunning and devious when it comes to hiding who they are. One very vivid example was when the woman was caught in adultery and they brought her. When you read a very funny place, praise God. The drama of how it happened. He said they brought her. Then he said when they had gathered together, they now set her in their midst. <laughs> Praise God. So when they gather and they set someone in them, it's, it's time for judgment. They set her in their midst and then they, they, they now told Jesus, Jesus, we've caught this woman. She in adultery and all of that. They, are, they were already ready. You know what they were going to do to her. He said, let's, this, this holy guy, let's go and check. Let's go and check whether, what will he say against this sin? That was righteousness. You know, righteousness in man is sin. The, to me, the best definition of sin is righteousness. The most accurate definition of sin is righteousness. When sin is manifesting in his soul, sin in his glory is righteousness. Righteousness. Right. When you are so sinful, you will feel so right. When, when you don't feel too right, you are not too sinful. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. So you see, you saw men in the, in the highest manifestation of sin. You know, that was what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to trigger men, get men to show what's inside of them. All these Jews have been acting holy for, they've been acting high, you know, against all the nations, like they are all holy and everything. Then Jesus came on the scene, said, I'm going to expose all of you guys, you are all sinners, all of you. By his conversation. He, he, he just, he fetched a conversation that can, that can flip every man upside down. And make what they are hiding, but plain and bare. He came to reprove the word of sin. And of what? Of righteousness. And of what? Judgment. 
Praise the Lord. So, so you know those men, sin manifests. When, when sin is at its highest manifestation is when they want to do something like that. That's evil. So it was actually sin that wanted to come and display its righteousness before Jesus. But they made a mistake. Jesus was not an ordinary man. He was an ordinary man. As we were talking, they said, okay, I'm hearing. Continue. Continue. He was writing on the ground. They didn't tell us what he was writing on the ground, but they, they said that he was acting like he wasn't hearing them. Then when they, when, after a while, I said, okay, he who has no sin, let him do what? I'll tell you, Jesus' thinking was different. Now, when, when, the, when you come to meet a man and the man says that, fear will first of all grip, grip the person, right? Now, you ask yourself, okay, I know these guys, were, they were smart in unrighteousness. So they figure, okay, my one is writing on the ground. Now, what is he writing on the ground? Do they know what is writing? <laughs> Praise God. Then they say, okay, so... So for someone to have a mind to cast a stone, it means that you have to be sure that Jesus' next action will not be to reveal all the last 10 sins that you did. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, so Jesus did, what he did was he attacked their boldness. What the strength of men's boldness. What is the strength of men's boldness? It's this, where men's boldness come from is the, is the cloak over their sin. The cloak over their sin. The more, the more hidden your sin is in your own consciousness, the more bold you be. When you see a bold fellow, yeah, I can do this, now it's time for this and all that. Praise God. It's because... A lot of times, such bold people have much iniquity. But when you have much iniquity with high blindness, high iniquity and high blindness equals boldness. So you see someone who has high iniquity, high, high what, then high what? Praise the Lord. Blindness will be bold than everybody else. And everybody who doesn't have that level of boldness, because they don't have that amount, sorry, that level of um, ignorance or blindness because of mercy. Maybe mercy has somehow found them somehow that they can smell their sin a little. So because of that, such people, they won't be as bold. Say, ah, should we do this thing? Is it right? Can we check it? Can we make sure? Because they're not too self-confident. They know that they have tendency they can mess things up because of mercy. So one of the signs of mercy on a soul is that they are not bold. Mercy inhibits boldness. When, 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 when heaven is being merciful to a soul, the, the, where mercy travels to, mercy travels to the source of a man's strength and then flips it open and say, look, this thing you think is strength is actually weakness. So, so you yeah, see it as mercy. 
It's mercy. Like, like someone like David, for example. Compare David and Saul. Saul is like this. David was just, because he was too, he was too, David was too in touch with his infirmity. He was too in touch with his weaknesses. He was just too in touch. He was too acquainted with it. He couldn't muster up his shoulder and raise in boldness. But all the other sons of Jesse, God was seeing their shoulder and was refusing them. No, this one. God forbid. God forbid. Not this one. Not this one. Not this one. The, the one who didn't, see, who didn't feel qualified to be even around the house, that's the one God found. Because that one is living with his weaknesses in the wilderness. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? See, there's nothing that this world needs now more than the, the revelation of Jesus. Praise God. Do you know that there's consequence to the revelation of Jesus? The consequence to the revelation of Jesus is that it will begin to expose, and you cannot, there's nothing you can do about it. When, the, when I say Jesus, I mean Jesus the Son of God. When Jesus the Son of God begins to be revealed, which is, of course, just the Son of God, is a revelation of the everlasting nature in Jesus, right? Or the nature, the work in him that makes him an abiding son, yeah. right? Now, there's an inevitable consequence of such a revelation when it begins to hit the earth. When such revelation begins to hit the earth, there will begin to be a consciousness of man's far, how far man is from God. How far man is from God. It will, it will touch everywhere. It will start in the church first. Inside the church, all the, the sinners, all the Christians who thought God was their friend. When you open the everlasting gospel, you now realize that you and God don't live in the same planet. Are you seeing what <laughs> So this was how Jesus was. Jesus was manifesting this way to people who thought they were close to God. Oh, we are Abraham's seed. See that boldness. Praise God. Jesus had to show them that even Abraham, you are not even like him. Let's see that. Praise God. <coughs> Amen. Verse 36. If the Son therefore shall make you flee, free, then you shall be free indeed. Verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's seed. He said, okay, I know. But you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which you have seen with your father. Now, when he said that you are doing what you've seen with your father, I speak what I've seen with my father. Maybe they were happy they thought Jesus was not recognizing them as Abraham's children. <laughs> then he said, the answer him and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were, if you were children, Abraham's children, you will do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man which had told you the truth, which have I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. So what this means that Abraham, it was just now beginning to talk about natures. Right? They were saying, Abraham, 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 yeah, he said Abraham. They didn't know who Abraham was. But Jesus knew when, Jesus, I'm sure Jesus by this time, of course, Jesus knew Abraham because God must have showed him Abraham. It's very clear that in the, in the cause of his, his learning of the everlasting gospel, 
You cannot teach the everlasting gospel without teaching Abraham. Right? There must have been a, a, a time, a season when Abraham might have been a case study by the Spirit. Say, Jesus, okay, now we're going to deal with Abe, your, your, your father, great, great, great ancestor in the flesh. But we're not going to show you his natural life. We're going to show you who he was on the inside and what was constructed on, on the inside of him. Praise the Lord. So, so Jesus, of course, knew that, we know that Abraham had an everlasting gospel, right? But not after Jesus' own order, after the order of men of the earth. Praise the Lord. Or the kind of everlasting gospel you can teach to a spirit that is not a new creation, which is what Abraham had. Praise God. So, and it's very clear that Abraham had works. Praise God. Do you agree? Abraham, that's what he referred to in verse 39. That they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the what? The works of. So the way you know someone whose children someone is, is by whose works do, do they do. But now you seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not what? Abraham. And you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father. Even what? Even God. Now, are you seeing something here? So, what they went, it seems when you look at it on the surface, it seems like what they wanted, they hated Jesus saying or they didn't like Jesus to say, it seemed like they were saying it. So this means that there's a sense in which Jews sees God as their father. But that sense is different from the sense in which Jesus was saying it. They knew what Jesus was saying. It wasn't the same. Christians don't know it. I mean, Christians who haven't had the revelation, praise the Lord, the revelation of the Son of God. Many Christians who don't have the revelation of the Son of God, cannot extract and see the difference between the kind of fatherhood that these Jews were speaking of and what Jesus was speaking of. And they can't, most Christians can't see the difference in the fatherhood that they claim with God and the kind of fatherhood that Jesus was speaking of, which got him killed, which the Jews were, could clearly see wasn't the same thing. That when Jesus said, my father, my father, we are one, or speaking of himself as the son of the father, they could tell this is another thing he's talking about. Why was it another thing? Because he began to add elements of that relationship. Which people cannot claim, which they could not claim on a mask. I don't know if I'm saying anything. That, are you sure that you get what I'm trying to say? It says, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, then you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. 
Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? word? You cannot understand my speech because you cannot hear my word, my word. Speech, word. If you continue in my word, that thing is calling my word. You separate, it's not the same thing as just my speech. My word, then are you my disciples, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the word truth shall then what? Make you free, praise the Lord. So he's saying that anybody who does not hear that his word, what he called my word, such a person will not understand his speech. So, this his speech is what is written in the, in, the, in the pages of the book of John. All these things that Jesus said, they are what he called his speech. So, in the church, we'll be reading his speech. But Jesus is saying that anybody who doesn't have my word will not understand. So, anybody who hasn't yet been my disciple and through dis- being discipled by me have come to know the truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the knowledge of the truth is what equips a person to interpret the speech of Jesus. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? Praise God. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? Verse 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not what? Because ye are not of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so it's very clear here. You're seeing Jesus. Um, there are some key things I just want to highlight from this place. Is you're seeing Jesus. He started with talking about sonship. Praise the Lord. And then he spoke about sonship um, being the key to freedom. Right? And how does sonship, how is sonship the key to freedom? is by somebody receiving what the word which the son had. Praise the Lord. In verse 36, if the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Praise the Lord. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word had no place in you. Praise God. So the word which the son has is the key to this freedom which he is speaking about. And then he is then relating this word, praise the Lord, to the, to the, he's speaking of this word as an equipment that a person will have to understand his own speech at this level which he is speaking from. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now without the, the inward encounter of a soul 
That thing when he said, know the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Without the inward encounter of the soul with what Jesus Christ called the truth is that such a soul will experience his speech, praise the Lord, at a surface level. That, and you cannot de delve into the content of what, of what his speech is saying. Now, why is the speech of Jesus very, very key? Is because Jesus is the Jesus is the the speech of Jesus is the only access to is the only access to the the speech of Jesus is the access to the the revelation the understanding. Praise God. The revelation, the understanding of the calling. I know that calling I spoke about, that every man ought to rise into, into our abode with the Father. So Jesus Christ being sent, use the word being sent here, praise the Lord. Jesus being sent, actually, he was part of what he was sent to do was the bringing down of certain conversation. So, what John was trying to, to show and highlight from his gospel, of course, also his epistle, is archiving the, it was, it was in a spiritual archive of the speech of Jesus. Which that speech, what you call the speech of Jesus, is an ingredient of the Bible, of the scriptures. That if you take that that ingredient from the scripture, you won't, you won't gain access. You won't gain access. There's an access that I believe the, the Gospel of John archives an access. I believe strongly in the book, the Gospel of John, not just John, of course, the other Gospels too, but very clearly from John. Praise the Lord. Um, because John was, very, was much careful with things when it comes to the speech of Jesus, right? The speech of Jesus. John was very, very careful with details about the speech of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And now, the reason why this speech is key is that this speech is what will break the soul into the conversation. What conversation? The conversation of what you call the, the life of the Father the life of the Father. Say life. life. Say conversation. conversation. The life conversation. What you call life conversation is what the term as living. The release, the demonstration of, of the conversation right, is what you call living. Say living. living. So Jesus was, a, so he was raised, actually, he was raised to speak concerning the living God. Right, or the living God, or he called him the living father. Let's go back to 
as we, as we close now, that John chapter 6, where we started from. Praise the Lord. Are we there? John 6, very quickly, verse 57. John 6, 57, it says, As the living Father had what? Sent me. So you see, he was sent by this living Father. So what is the meaning of that? Let's see that phrase. As the living Father has sent me. Well, is he trying to say that the living Father means God is, God is not dead? Is that what he's saying? I don't think that's what he's saying, no. Why he attached living father to it? I don't think it's not to tell you that God is... If you thought God died some time ago, he didn't die. I just came to tell you that. He's actually he's still alive. That's not, the, that's not the import. What he's saying is, as the demonstrating father has sent me. As the, the manifesting father, the conversing father. The, the father... The father who is doing the life. Who is living out the life. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, you see, the ministry of Jesus, this ministry which he came into. And I, I, I bet you Jesus has done many things already. But when they say, okay, it's now time for your ministry. You know, Jesus Christ could have been stopped when he was like, 1819, when he was a Christ at a measure, and they would send him out, go and do things. And when they bring him out at that level, let's say when he was 1819, 2025, there is no miracle which he did, which we recorded that he would not be able to do. He will still do all this miracle, he will still have impact and all that. But from a different point, a different stature. Praise God. So the Jesus, what Jesus actually came to do when he said, what is the ministry of Jesus? The ministry of Jesus was the exposition of a conversation. It was a demonstration. He was sent. Say sent. Sent. He was sent to, to release a conversation. How will he release the conversation? He has to be seeing it. So as the living Father has sent me, let's read that, verse 57. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father. That word live, to me, I still doesn't mean that he's existing or he has life, no. That word, as the living Father has sent me, I'm living by him. Because the living Father didn't have a way. He is the way to demonstrate the, 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 what the Father is living out to demonstrate it in the realm of men, to make that conversation touch men's own life. So Jesus was a relayer. He was relaying a conversation of life. Praise the Lord. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me shall then what? Live by me. He that eateth me shall live. This life, live by me, is not getting born again. This live by me is not having the stature of Christ or even the fullness of Christ. This live by me is a soul being able to live 
the conversation that the father is living. It's high. It's a high conversation. Jesus had to come and do it. And it was archived in the book, archived in the books, in the scripture. And then when it was time for men to come into this conversation, they say, we can't just know bring men here. We have to send someone first called Paul, of Saul of Tarsus, who will become Paul. We have to give him a gospel first, who is a preparatory gospel. So it's very clear that Paul, that thing called the gospel of Christ, doesn't contain the demonstration of what the Father is living out or what the living Father is doing. Rather, the conversation of Christ is actually is a conversation too, but it's different. It's a new conversation. Praise God. So, the purpose of a new conversation is for a living conversation. They are not the same. 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 Praise God. Amen. God will help us. Um, this is what God wants to do at, in our time and in our day. And what he has begun to do is that um, they want to begin to bring that, that, that life to us. And of course, how do we do? I'm seeing them. It's almost like raising Jesus again. But this time, not a physical man walking the earth. He has done it. He has gone. But thank God that his speech was archived in the scripture. And the reason for scripture, the purpose of scripture is, scripture is where they keep spiritual things that Holy Ghost can resurrect at any moment. The Holy Ghost can say, okay, we want to teach, we want to impart Abraham's conversation to, to a generation. Through scripture, he can resurrect Abraham and make eye begin to see Abraham walking. I've, that has occurred to, I've seen that before. Through just teaching. Through teaching. Through preaching. Through preaching. Praise God. There was one, one program that 20, was it 2015 or so that Reverend, was Reverend K. K came to um, praise the Lord. <laughs> Our daddy, Reverend Coyote, came to, to Winnipeg then. Um, this was not even a convention. It was our young adult meeting. So in our young adult, we, we invited him to our church. And he, he was like a retreat. So we went to a hotel and all. He came and ministered to us. And he was just, he was just teaching, about, he was teaching about walking. I think the, the theme of the program was walking the spirit. That was the theme of the program. So the way the Lord led him to was he just picked the conversation of Abraham. I think that's all he taught throughout that his ministration. He was just teaching on, on the, the walk of Abraham. Praise God. That thing, that thing was an encounter. Because I've heard faith message. I've heard faith, faith, faith. But I've heard, but I've discovered that day that what I had known about faith was the application of faith. That I didn't know the walk. I didn't know things about the walk, but true through the, demo, the, the, the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, through preaching, he could resurrect Abraham. I mean, I'm telling you what was happening on the inside of me as he was teaching about walk. He was teaching about Abraham's walk of faith. It's like I was seeing Abraham. I was seeing his attitude. What was informing his, his judgment? His attitude. Are you seeing? I'm just trying to show you the power of Scripture. So if Holy Ghost can do that, 
to make me almost be seeing Abraham, seeing his process, seeing his judgment, seeing what is need. Can the Holy Ghost do that with Jesus? Can Jesus be raised again in our day through the scripture? Can't you watch him walking in Galilee and watch his conversation with the Father? Yeah, that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do. He wants to bring Jesus back. He wants to, he wants to bring his conversation back to the earth. Let's just begin to pray. Let's pray for, for a minute. And just, just tell the Lord that you want to you want to you want, you want to be a partaker. You want to be a partaker of of this revelation. <clears throat> ask, ask the Lord to open your heart. Are there compartments of your heart that needs to open up? Are there aspects of your heart that needs to subscribe to this conversation? Are there faculties within your soul that need to awaken? Are there depths that need to be called to open up to receive the conversation of the life which the Lord Jesus brought? Who be in the brightness of the glory of God, the express image of his person. Say so that he had in this last day spoken unto us by his son. These last days. Begin to pray and say, Lord, open my heart, 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 open my heart. Begin to open channels. Let this conversation find resting places in my heart. Prepare it. Prepare my heart. In the school of the spirit, I'm seeing thoughts. There will be a release, dispensation of thoughts. But hearts will need to capture them. Your heart will need to capture them. I'm seeing conversations will be going on. In the, in the realm of the spirit, by graces, ministering graces, preaching graces, teaching graces, that will be available by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. There will be an opening. Heaven will cause the conversation of this life to occur before us. They will cause the conversation of this life to play out, to be demonstrated through preaching in our midst. Just begin to pray that your heart will be able to capture. Your heart will be able to capture. There will be a resting place. There will be a landing spot. Your heart will have a landing spot for this conversation.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Some of us need to take a leap in this, in this school of the Spirit. We need to take a leap, leap into this realm. We need to shed limitations, restricting thinking patterns, limiting thinking patterns, limiting thoughts, to break through limiting attitudes. Mercy. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you've just raised a quest, a, a quest in our heart, which we need to carry and we need to pray through. We need to wait on this and pray this quest through. We ask for you will give the spirit of grace and supplication. That we will labor in our heart, Father, to war against all the limitations, Lord, everything that will want to make us fall short of capturing, Lord, this reality. Father, I ask, oh God, for empowerment. May, may our incense, our prayer, may it turn back into strength. May it become, let it transform into help, Amen. into mercy, Amen. and let it rain on our heart. Amen. Thank you, our Father. Amen. We commit the rest of these prayers unto you. Father, may it be unto you. Amen. We ask that nothing will stop our cry, the cry of our heart, from being lifted up. Father, you will prepare us, make us willing, make us ready. Lord, help us pour the spirit of supplication upon our heart. So we can register our hunger, register our thirst and our expectation of what you ought to do. And Father, we pray even for the school of the Spirit, you will go beforehand now and begin to, begin to gather the cloud. Amen. Begin to gather, Lord, the blessing Amen. that it will be a, a downpour, a heavy rain that no soul, Lord, will be able to be shielded from. Thank you, our Father. We give all the praise to you. Thank you for grace and utterance tonight. Thank you for the strength to pray. We ask you will renew strength and bring us back tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim shining.